Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Good morning. It's uh, it's the 5th of January. It's another beautiful morning out there. Mm-hmm. Very cold. Very, very you will cold. need the thermal underpants on your head this morning. Uh, just a bit of a heads up if you haven't left the house. We're in for PJ Coogan until 11 o'clock this morning. Uh, the lines are open if you want to give us a call. Text or WhatsApp. Uh, all available. Just drop us a message if there's anything you want to get in contact. 0833 96 96 96. Uh, across the papers this morning, Ross, what have you got over there? Uh, the school's reopening is on yeah. the front of the Irish Examiner. Uh, One million school children will return to the classroom tomorrow uh, despite fears raised by teacher unions about the safety of students and staff we spoke about this yesterday uh, public health officials raised no impediment to the plan uh, which can come under scrutiny in recent days uh, amid fears of the 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 prospect of a widespread a viral outbreak yeah um, and they're saying it's they're saying it's 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 going to happen yeah of course it's going to happen your kids are going to get it they're going to bring it home is, yeah. is basically yeah. what they're saying the independent this morning are running with the end in sight for the rules on boosted close contacts um I had read a couple of days ago, if you've got your booster jab, that if you do pick up the virus again, uh, that you now only have to isolate for seven days. Okay. And uh, and now there's another twist on it. The end is in sight for restrictive close contact rules for people who have had the booster vaccines after the National Public Health Emergency Team uh, was told to review the measures, uh, according to the Irish Independent this morning. Judges blow for Andrew is what the Mirror are running with this morning. Uh, Prince Andrew is uh, sweating last night as a judge seemed to trample over his plan to use a deal to protect him uh, from the case that could destroy him yeah. basically if this makes its way to court his lawyers yesterday claimed uh, that the lawsuit had no merit arguing that 440,000 euro settlement she made with Jeffrey Epstein in 2009 protected the royal protected protected Andrew yes how's that she made a, she made a settlement with Epstein yeah, exactly but like oh that covers everything doesn't it should we leave it at that? Will we? The Ghislaine Maxwell thing is gonna is gonna pull everybody out of the woodwork. I'd say, mm-hmm. yeah, unless she ends up getting Epsteined. Which is a verb Which now. is a verb, it is. Yeah, because, you know. Yeah. Schools must be opened, it says here on the front of the Irish Daily Mail. That's what they're running with this morning. And then, uh, good news story of the day is on the front of the Echo here in Cork. And we're talking uh, about a lady who's on the phone waiting to talk to us. It's Katrina Toomey at the official opening of the Cork Penny Dinners uh, Wellness Centre yesterday. We need to give her an appropriate introduction. Ladies and gentlemen... The patron saint of Cork City. Queen of Cork. Queen of Cork. High Queen of Cork. Katrina Toomey, how are you? Good morning. I'm good, thank you. (laughs) You wonderful, wonderful human being. Um, It's it's so lovely to talk to you again. Um, Did you have a a good good day yesterday with Roy Keane? 
Oh, absolutely brilliant. You know, it was, it just couldn't have went any better. It was very low-key and obviously on account of the, the, the COVID thing and um, just just a handful of people there that I suppose that kind of, you know, the volunteers, people that help out. And, yeah. um, you know, we're going to gradually introduce it to everybody. Unfortunately, we can't do a big, you know, a big, a big old yeah. We just can't do it. And uh, but we will introduce it to everybody, you know, bit by bit. So and, the, um, the the new centre, um, you know, you've been working on this for a very long time, I would imagine, and there's a lot of funding needed to come in from different places. Um, t- tell us how the project started, and and you know how long you've been working on the whole thing. Well, years ago, when the Brennans came to Penny Dinners, we needed a temporary place to go, and Joe, the owner of where we are now. He um, let us have the use of his place. So we just, you know, kind of did our best to just kind of make it for people to come and eat so that their their lives wouldn't be disrupted. And it worked out very well over there. And we kind of half fell in love with the place, I suppose, yeah. seeing its potential and knowing that it was going up for sale. And we had been in talks the whole time, like, how can we better improve the loss for people, you know, that, are struggling, are people that just need us. Mm-hmm. And um, we decided that we'd go with this. And we see that food is one of the, you know, it's the fundamental, you know, right of every human being, I suppose, to have some food, uh, a, a, a fundamental need. And um, so we we recognise that there are lots of other things going on for people. Mental health is huge. Yeah. Addiction is huge. Struggle is huge. Poverty is huge. Illness is huge, despair. Anything can turn a family upside down. An illness in the family can do that. A death in the family can do that. Anything can happen that can just upset somebody. Yeah. So we decided on trying to, you know, help people to, to create a space for them. And, this, you know, <laughs> it's Queen of Lee, Heart of the Lee, and that's what we want it to be. And all the services that we run out in there will be run by ourselves. And we hope to do a lot of stuff you know, we have plans like for down the road and it'll have to evolve and as time goes on. At the minute, we have four recovery meetings going on there now, which is brilliant. We're hoping to start like poetry classes and give people an introduction to, to expressing themselves in different ways with a view at the end of it of they producing either a book for themselves or one book on block for, for everybody or something. But like not, not kind of for sale for just people's, you know, enjoyment, fulfilment, something they may have always wanted to do and never had a chance to do it. Simple things like that. We have a um, doctor and um, dentist, like the dental room is ongoing at the minute and it, it shouldn't take too long more. But um, in the minute, we're, we're up and running. But uh, what it'll be is for, we're going to gear that to help people and also on the medical side that are on low incomes and that are just a little bit over for the medical card but way too under to afford medical insurance mm-hmm. and stuff. So we're gearing that towards them. And also to the people that are, you know, on the streets, people that are at home that just have maybe, you know, little or no income at all coming in. And just, you know, if you for pain in your tooth, is one of the most frightful things to have. So we're hoping that this will help here and help alleviate pain that people may be in. And also we're hoping like that families that are struggling, you know, that are sometimes with both people working in the house and they're still struggling to pay the mortgage, pay yeah. the bills. And with the rise and everything, now they're going to be struggling even more. And we sense that coming and we're working towards that as well. So the centre will be a centre, I suppose, of we're going to, you know, well-being because we hope it will help 
make people feel better, feel well and, and feel more able to deal with life because as it is, life has just thrown so much at everybody now. It's really, really very hard for people and the pandemic has shown uh, a sense of goodwill that's out there and that we've always seen, but now everybody gets to see it. And, and in the last two years, Katrina, how, how like have you seen an increase in people that were requiring sure. services, particularly with COVID and stuff like that? Do you see sure. the kind of the direct effect of that? Yes, we have. We've seen a, a huge amount of people like that that are struggling because of COVID. They're out, and the money that they got didn't far reach for the bills and didn't reach for everything that they had to pay. It was as simple as that. I mean, if you go from 500 down to 300 every week, you're at the last of 200, and you how do you make that up? Like, it's not yeah. going to come down the chimney. So, yeah, like, yeah. common sense makes us, you know, people can see where people were struggling, and they were struggling big time. Then they were struggling with childcare. They were struggling, like, you had shops, you had restaurants, you had businesses closing. And you see, when one place closes, it affects others as well. It affects the suppliers, it affects the, the van drivers, it affects everybody. So it's just not, you see someplace closing, it affects everybody. But for the person that has put their heart and soul into starting the business, to running the business, and to kind of maybe getting a chance to buy a house, and then all of a sudden have that whip from under them, that's kind of hard. And do, uh, do you ever hurts people. Do you ever get to, Katrina, to see um, the, the after... Um, after people need your services and after things might turn around for them, have you ever seen the result oh, yeah. or people yeah. come back to you and say, this is huge. where I was and this is where I am now? And how does it feel then to see people come huge. back? Yeah. Huge. We only, we only got a phone call the other day from somebody who we helped. And um, he was saying, you'll know me when you see me. But he said, my mother is so delighted and she wants to come down and give you, you know, something because... Um, you know, just with your help, like I was able to do this, you know, but we see other people that have been struggling, you know, they might have had a job, then they had no job, Mm -hmm. and then they had no food, and when they get good again, you know, they come down and they give us something, and they'll send you thank you cards and stuff like that, and you get thank you cards from families, you know, of people who we've helped, and saying like that, you saved, you know, all our mental health, not just that person's mental health, you know, and like that's down to, to the the volunteers inside, they're brilliant. Mm-hmm. And the same with this building. We all had a, a dream, I suppose, a goal, a vision, and this is it. And um, we're hoping that, you know, that the name we gave it, Karina Lee, will be that for everyone. And that we can, you know, I suppose it'll grow as we grow yeah. and get used to it and stuff like that. But um, we're going to create an orchestra in there as well, which I think is very important because, you know, the success of the High Hopes Choir and music is a great equaliser, I suppose, as it's full, I suppose. But um, we, we just hope that, um, that by creating this orchestra that we'll be adding something to the city as well, you know, that we'll have, we have our choir, the High Hopes Choir, which is just tremendously successful. And the people that are in the choir just love being a part of it. And we have the, you know, we'll have the orchestra coming up. We're going to be running out lots of castles. Where our main, one of our main things will be around food, because we do an, an initiative inside with UCC called Food for Thought, which is people come down, they're shown how to, they're told how to, to buy food. 
and then they're shown how to prep it and they mm-hmm. make a full course meal. Dan Murray from Apple was done and he's going to work with our head chef inside Philippe and um, we're, we're going to roll out classes for people that simply don't know how to buy the right food or cook the right food. You know, home economics has kind of gone by the wayside. Yeah. So what, what we're going to do is try and teach people how to survive because it's all about surviving now. People have to survive uh, and I think that's hitting home to everybody that a lot of people weren't used to surviving, you know, they were making it okay, they were doing okay, and now they have to survive, and we feel that with the things that have been stripped away from people, that we'll kind of fill that gap and step in and just say, no, no, we'll bring it back, Mm. because everybody wants it, and everybody needs it, and and that's our main goal, just to, to, you know, create well-being for somebody, and make somebody feel whole again. Listen, Katrina. We put it. We put in a call. The sainthood is actually in process at the moment. It oh, should. Yeah, 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 it should be with you in uh, in four weeks. Yeah. It's a ten working days. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we we can't thank you enough. Like from from everybody that's listening, and I'm sure there's a lot of people out there. And 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 you know the volunteers like they, without doubt. Yeah, we're, we're we're all one, and they're great. Like people probably just see, see me, and the volunteers don't mind that. You know, but like we have drive all of us, and, and we have the commitment, and we put in long hours. Christmas was very, very hard this year. Mm-hmm. I can imagine really, so. Really tough. Um, if, if, if as many people... from that. Sorry, Katrina, I spoke over you there slightly. Uh, if as many people as possible, please keep penny dinners in your thoughts in terms of donations and in terms of support yeah. uh, on a voluntary basis. And eventually, everyone will be able to pop in and see the new wellness centre, which is now open. Yes. Katrina, and well done, and thank you so much for talking to us. And come, come down yourselves. To Absolutely. We'd we'll be delighted yeah, if you to join. Want, if you ever want a writing yeah. workshop or anything like that, I'll, I'll uh, happily give some of my time. See? There you, you go. See? I do. I knew it would evolve. Thank you. And I'm so unbelievable much. at making banoffees. <laughs> <laughs> He's unbelievable at eating oh. them, not making them. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Katrina, listen, thank you again on behalf of everyone thank in Cork. You. Well done. Cheers. Oh, thanks so much. Um, thank she's you. an amazing lady. Um, yeah, go, hopefully everybody will, will be able to pop down and see that new wellness centre. But um, I never asked you for Roy Keane's mobile number. Nah. Directly pass it on next time. Next time. Um, anyway, congratulations to Katrina. It's just a nice story to start the year with. Um, if you need a thousand euro in cash, and who doesn't on the fifth of January? Mm-hmm. Here's how you win it. You go to our Instagram page, ninety six FM's Instagram page, and all you have to do is follow. The, look, look for the post where we're giving away a grand first yeah. of all, and uh, like the page, tag a couple of buddies. And that uh, you're in the draw, you could be getting a grand in cash right. into your hand. That's all right. That's all right. Not thousand, too bad at all. Thousand euro for free. Uh, Ninety six FM's Instagram. Go follow it. Find that post. Uh, tag a couple of buddies and make sure you just uh, follow us on it in order to get your name in the draw. Nine thirty exactly. Good morning from Corks. Ninety six FM. It's the fifth of January today. This is Casey and Ross in for PJ Coogan, who's back on air with you uh, tomorrow morning. Uh, Thompson's Restaurant and Microbrewery on McCartan Street uh, announced that they needed to shut their doors until further notice. Uh, the restaurant is the latest to close in, ja- in January in light of the COVID-related issues. I know that Tom Barry's and Barrick Street uh, have shut shop. Um, we had uh, the Blair's Inn as well in Blarney, Roberts Cove, Gastro Bar. To name just a few, have all shut their doors in recent days. And likewise, at the Glass Curtain on McCurtain Street, Cork's Michelin Star Restaurant, Brian Murray is on the line from the restaurant. Good morning, Brian. Good morning. How are you doing? Hi, uh, morning. How's it going? <laughs> good, good. I Listen, have, I have to, I have to make a quick correction there. We don't have a Michelin star. <laughs> Do you not? In, we have a mention in the Michelin guide, which came out. All right. Um, we found that out 
um, about two months ago, but we don't know. The guide isn't actually released for this year yet. Okay. So, so it's pending. Right. Hey, well, listen, we're, we're, we're giving you one anyway because the food yeah, is superb. Listen, yeah. I haven't even been mentioned in the tyre catalogue for Michelin. So. <laughs> <laughs> and Fair I'm enough. sporting a couple of their spare ones at the moment. So it's a Michelin guide uh, mentioned That's that it, you got yeah. so far. Okay. Well, it's, it's great. It's a great no, it's yeah, fantastic absolutely. thing anyway. Like, you know, so. Uh, so, so when do you find out if you've, uh, if you've got the award? I, we don't actually know, to be honest. And yeah. there's a lot of different categories in it and things. So we're not, we have no like, specific expectations. Like, we're yeah. just to be in the guide is, is great anyway. So Absolutely. Um, so sorry to hear about all the all the difficulty you're having down there at the moment with uh, with closures and whatnot. This is this is a story yeah. that's right across the whole country. Um, you, you've decided to shut shop. When do you think you're going to be back up and running? Um, that's, yeah, it's kind of... It's a difficult one because it was kind of really stressing me out there for a while, but mm. like, because there's just no telling who's next to be, you know, a close contact or something. Or so we kind of had thought we'd open this week, and then I had another two guys who were close contacts, and so it's just not. It's just like you just don't know. So luckily we have this take a takeaway that we were doing last year and it was really popular. So we've kind of switched to that for now. Yeah. And we've got kind of our, we had planned some leave anyway. At the end of the month, we were going to be closing for, just to give everyone holidays and stuff. Yeah. yeah. So we're probably going to stay closed now for another three weeks um, and just do the, at home, do a takeaway for that because like literally, there's just not telling like from one day to the next whether or not you would be able to open anyway. So Aside from the, um, aside from the, you know, having to having to reopen and then close down again. Um, mm-hmm. In terms of just over the whole course of COVID, when you had said you know you kind of you repurposed and and did a takeaway, whatever. How how was that as a challenge? Because some people will go, ah, they're grand now. They're doing a takeaway. Like was it was it reduced business? Was it a, was it a you know was it a struggle to try and you know figure out the logistics of it? Like how how does a business repurpose like yeah. like many have? It definitely wasn't just all oh, we're grand now we're doing takeaway anyway for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like we were lucky we had that, and but like the re- the revenue, like people, some people thought, geez, they're absolutely flying it because we were selling out every week and we were doing the we were doing basically as much as we could make nearly a lot of the time. But I mean, the revenue wasn't even close to what it would be if if we were open indoors. Yeah, like there's a whole lot of this, obviously the spend is higher for people in the restaurant. This you know the service everything. So, yeah, it was never close to what we ought to have been making, but it did help pay the bills. And then there's obviously was wage subsidies and stuff like that. So, like, if there wasn't those there, we wouldn't have even been able to do the takeaway, to be honest. It wouldn't have covered all the wages plus rent and so on. So, like, it was great to have, but it's it's no real substitute for actually the restaurants, you know? Okay, what what is the instruction, Brian, from government when you discover that a staff member has COVID or they've a close contact? Is it just completely shut shop? Is that the protocol? They don't say you have you know exactly what you have to do. Really, to be honest, it's just more. It's the same as what everyone has in terms of you have to isolate your you have to restrict your movements or you have to stay home or whatever. So, but they don't tell us you have to close or you have to open or anything. It's just. Okay, we don't have staff, so we know we have to close basically, yeah. you know. Um, and so that's there's not really much you can do about it. Like, 
do, do, do you do you see any kind of timeline for when things will get back to normal? Like, as in, you know, everyone's kind of pushing, you know, pushing the yeah. goalposts further and further back. But mm. like, do you have a kind of a a plan going? Okay, this is you know the day that we kind of think right, we're going to be back at you know full full capacity, full service, sit down. I assume you've reduced yeah. capacity as well, have you, or, or are you, is your restaurant set out in a way that we, it complied anyway? We reduced a good bit from what we were. So we like when we opened first, but we won't probably we won't put back in as many seats now because mm-hmm. I guess even just everyone's comfortable with the extra space now but like mm. we, it, it was even look, looking back at how tight the, the, the sittings were it just would seem a bit crazy even having that, that many in there now yeah. but um so we'd go we'd, we'll add a few seats for sure but not massively I would say okay and just there's I don't know, there's just a lot of other things we'd be able to do a little differently. Just even using the bar a bit more and, you know, people sitting there or using just maybe more turns of tables and having walk-ins and having... So, once restrictions are fully gone, like, but I've no real... In my head, I couldn't... I'd be only guessing, like, you know, and that's kind of the stress of it as well, like, the, the uncertainty of it, so... At least when there's a lockdown, that's what you're in. Like you know, we're, you know, we're know what you're doing. Like, yeah. oh, okay. Uh, well, we hope uh, people in Cork will like every restaurant across Cork but in the glass curtain is open for business pretty soon and go and pay it a visit and support a brilliant local business a Michelin guide restaurant in Cork for you to check out yeah. and that star is pending as well Brian we know the crack uh, yeah. so listen lovely. we'll give him a buzz as well <laughs> we'll put in a good word for you um, <laughs> absolutely this, thanks a million for talking to us best to look with the business and, uh, and keep, keep on trucking alright Cheers, thanks a million. That's Brian Murray from the Glass Curtain Restaurant down on McCurtain Street. Uh, another place for you to visit eventually uh, when things yeah. get back to normal. I get the takeaway. Are they, they are going to get back to normal, yeah. Ross. Can right? I just say, I, read out, uh, I got three text messages yeah. from one person about Katrina Toomey. Okay. Okay, here's number one. Can we please make Katrina to me deal official patron saint of Cork City. Yeah. Text number two. We've already done that. That's that's done. Yeah. Text number two from the same person. That should read, can we please make cartoons <laughs> to me the official patron saint of Cork City? Okay. Text, Katr- text, Katrina to me cartoon. I love it. Qu- Disney. Text number three. I give up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We get it. We, we get, get it. it. We get it. Great, great intentions. There's a fellow on TikTok, TikTok making quite a name for himself with, I, some, with some legal advice. Absolutely. I'm obsessed with these videos. Okay. And he's got the best catchphrase in all of entertainment and law. Here we go. Just got a message in and this person is going on holidays and the employer said, while you're on holidays, can you do the rostering and the wages? No. It's not allowed. Holidays are for rest and relaxation, not for working. That's the law. That's, that's the, the law, and, and that's, that's the fact. fact. Good man yourself. Richard, good morning. How are you doing? Morning. Good morning. I'm very well. How are you? Hope you keep it safe. How does a spring chicken like you find yourself in, in amongst all these cool young kids on TikTok? I don't know. I can't dance and I can't sing. <laughs> but, <laughs> so, so all I could do is explain the law in 60 seconds or, or 15 seconds. So, yeah. you know... That's what I'm doing. Who suggested? Who suggested that you get on TikTok, or was it your own call? Um, I did a course for the Law Society on uh, on marketing, and one of the somebody said to me, "You're not on TikTok." So the next day, I went on TikTok, which was the first of December. Yeah. 
And now I've got 105,000 followers. That's insane. That's great. And the thing is, what you're giving is information that it would probably take a layperson or a person on Google days to try and figure yeah. out and try and decipher and discern what's what's owed to them and what's you know what's you what's know legal to, and yeah. what's their entitlements and stuff. That whereas you break it down very easy and it's like you you give the question at the beginning, so it it's it's so accessible and it's things that don't even apply to me. And I'm going, that's very interesting. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm glad. That, I'm glad. I, I'm helping. I mean, look, this is one thing that a lot of solicitors do anyway. Yeah. There are lots of great solicitors in Cork. You know, they've got great websites and they've got fantastic information on those websites. So, you know, this is something people in the Law Society solicitors do all the time. So I'm just doing it in a different way. What is the most common issue you find with uh, employees and employers? They, is What is the most common clash that they have in terms of what you have to deal with? Um, from TikTok, uh, the, there's two that came up. Up, coming up to Christmas was the Harry over a holidays and COVID. Okay, so yeah. we'll deal with both of those. Are you allowed yeah. legally carry over holidays? Uh, it's up to the employer to agree, but the annual leave year is the first of April to the thirty first of March. That's the statutory one. Okay. So that so that the problem was coming up at Christmas where people said you have to take your holidays by Christmas, otherwise you'd lose them. No, you don't. Right. Okay. PJ's raging now. He's like, hang on a second, I could have been in the south of France and me. <laughs> <laughs> and what do you do if uh, the boss says to you, look, uh, you say to your boss, look, I've got a bit of a runny nose, I, I don't feel well. Um, what Legally, what is supposed to happen there with regards to the current situation with COVID? All right. This isn't going to be terribly PC when I say this. Yeah, love but, it. Uh, Yeah, I know you would. Yeah, I'm sure <laughs> <laughs> Everyone in Cork loves loves not being PC, you know, <laughs> the the true capital of Ireland. All right, look, the position on it is, is everybody talks about these as rules. Mm-hmm. There are no rules. This is all personal responsibility. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so everybody's coming out saying what the health rules are. There are no health rules. They're all, there are no legally binding it's ones. It's advice. Yeah. It's advice, yeah. And it's personal responsibility. And that's, one of the problems that a lot of employment law solicitors are coming across is we've been asked what the rules are and we've been told there are none. But let's take the situation that somebody <coughs> woke up this morning and they've got a runny nose and they've got a headache and they've got a bit of a chest pain. Mm-hmm. All right? They should assume that they probably have COVID. Yeah. And they, sh- they really, under health and safety, should not turn up at work. Now... Unfortunately, there is a tiny minority of employers who are turning around and say, oh, it's only the flu, don't worry about it. Yeah. Or it's a cold, don't worry about it. That's, that's the real problem. Now, the problem for the employee is getting sick pay. Yeah. A lot of employers don't pay sick pay. And the new government scheme, which was supposed to come in, isn't in place yet. And on top of that, it's taking a lot of time to get the payment out of the Department of Social Protection. Now, if, if, somebody, sa- if somebody suspects they have COVID and they call their employer, and if their employer is a douchebag and says, you're grand, you can come in if you want to, you, obviously you're, you're taking your own personal responsibility, the onus is on you, but then you're taking the hit. So then, are you, like, is someone able to turn around to their employer and say, so are you telling me that I should ignore the advice of the of of the, the the government and the healthcare system and come in. Like, is there no reprimandation for an employer who who allows somebody to come into work knowing that they potentially have COVID? Right. Well, if I put it this way, 
if I if I take the smart employer that you're referring to, because the comment is come in if you like. Yeah, that puts it over to the employee. Yeah, I'd be a terrible employer. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Evil. Yeah, 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 possibly evil, yeah. yeah. If, if the employer says, uh, look, I want you in, you come in, mm-hmm. what should you do in that situation? One, you should send a complaint to the HSA. No, not the HSE, the HSA on their website. Mm-hmm. There's a claim, there's a complaint form. Two, you should send an email then to your employer saying, you're instructing me to come in and I believe I have COVID symptoms. Yeah. Three, you should say, if I'm coming in, I'm coming in under protest. Mm-hmm. Right. Four, when I arrive in, I'm going to tell every other person that I meet, whether they're fellow workers, customers, or clients. I believe I have COVID, but I've been instructed to turn up. Mm-hmm. Then you've made a complaint under the Safety Health and Welfare Work Act 2005. And if there's any detriment or te- threat of a detriment by the employer against you, you've got a claim against the employer. Right. That's what you do. So if you're that concerned about it, you know, and that you feel you have to turn up, that's how you protect yourself. Now, there's probably a, a, a kind of an attitude as well in a lot of workplaces whereby yeah. if a workplace is, it seems casual or, you know, people, people get along with their boss or whatever, and then all of a sudden a grievance occurs, is there, there seems to be a lot of a kind of um, a feeling from a lot of employees that if I speak up and, and say something... I'm I'm going to be sacked or whatever. So, what? Where are people's rights in terms of to air a grievance and then to not be reprimanded, kind of backhandedly down the line? Where Where are people protected there? Um, where they're protected there is, um, again, is under the Safety Health and Welfare Work Act 2005, provided they put some a complaint to their employer about the issue, then they're protected. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's why I say send an email, keep it. Yeah or send a text message and keep it. But at least you've set out what your complaint is and you refer to the Safety, Health and Welfare Work Act or you say this is a health issue or a safety issue. Yeah. All right. Okay. Very good. I'd say your staff are delighted. They're kind of going, well, we're, no, we're, not, we're, not, we're not getting screwed here anyway. <laughs> well protected. We only have to look at his own TikTok to see if he's screwing us. Yeah. <laughs> go and follow, um, if you're not already doing so on TikTok, go and find uh, Richard Grogan, employment lawyer at Richard Grogan and Associate Solicitors. Richard, Thank- what is it? Well, no, we can. That's the law, and that's a fact. Absolutely. <laughs> Keep it on brand, Richard. Listen, thank you for talking to us, sir. Have a good day. Thanks, thank you. Take care. Take bye. care. Bye bye. Bye bye. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Want to teach your kids financial literacy but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. 
As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. Eileen Kane Haley is a parenting coach and a teenage expert, an absolute genius when it comes to controlling your children and communicating okay. with your kids. Where have you been all my life? Uh, Eileen, good morning. How are you doing? Hi, great. I'm not sure my kids would agree with you there, but anyway. <laughs> well, listen, it's, it's what it says on the tin, so we have to go with it here. We have to, we have to stick with how they yeah. sell you. Um, well, listen, you know, you know children and teenagers inside out as, uh, as a, I suppose, a parenting expert and teen coach. Um, tell, tell us a little bit about how this all started for you. Um, well, I suppose initially I had my hand in about 10 different pies of all different kinds of work and jobs. And one of them was initially workshops with kids and the mind side of it really got to me, the way that I suppose the way kids think, the way they're trained to think, social media's impact on their mind and the lack of real information as to how everything, especially social media, can affect the way our kids are growing up and the way they look at themselves and believe in themselves. Mm. So, you know, I suppose I was a life coach initially at one point as well. And I kind of figured a lot of the stuff I was working with with adults was things that came up when they were younger. Yeah. And wasn't dealt with initially. I'm a massive belief in prevention and giving young people the tools and the knowledge to kind of be the best they can be in a world that really doesn't allow that a lot of the time. Yeah. So I just decided to go back and now I work with eight to eighteens um in a mentoring capacity. So it's kind of the in between man, I suppose. You're hoping that you can kind of alleviate some of the problems that they are going through at a young age so that they don't end up needing some more help at a later stage in life. Um, parenting has changed obviously and it changes it changes but it stays the same obviously certain parenting techniques have changed and then you know but there's always the same things that parents of every generation encounter it was Elvis Presley's hips and (laughs) then it was and then it was Marilyn Manson and now it's TikTok and whatever it is but the same problems recur with every generation and it it just changes its shape but for this generation of young people, and I know with parenting, a lot of it is down to the actual parents, not the kids, if you've ever watched Super Nanny or any of those shows. Yeah. Um, but what do you think are, are the two biggest detriments to both uh, uh, kids growing up and also to parenting now? So like, what, well, are, what I, are the two biggest challenges or two biggest things that you think are the biggest detriments? I think communication and trust really are massively important because if communication breaks down at any level... Um, we're, we're both stuck. Mm-hmm. You know, the parents mm-hmm. are stuck because they don't know what's going on with the kids. The kids are stuck because they can't be honest with the parents. And I know it's difficult. Look, I have four kids myself. We've been there, gone through it, you know, worn the T-shirt. And it is difficult. But we have to remember as parents, I suppose, that it's difficult being a, kid, a teenager too. You yeah. know, they're going through stages of their life where they're just trying to get to know themselves. They're trying to find their way in the world. They're trying to push their boundaries a bit. And that's all normal behavior. And we can't presume that our kids aren't going to mess up and they're not going to make mistakes and they're not going to take chances. Like, I hope they do. I mean, that is part of life. Uh, it's not saying we don't have boundaries in place to counteract any real difficulties they may encounter, but they need that little bit of leeway and that little bit of trust to allow them to find themselves as well. You know, we ca- they're not a part of us. They are an individual. And that's, I think, a really important thing for us all to remember is our kids are given to us for a period of time, but they are individuals, they are themselves. And I know in my experience, certainly my kids, you know, have gone down roads that I never 
expected them to go down. And, I, you know, they're, so far things are going well and they're happy, but it wasn't without struggle. Yeah. The, and, the, there's all different types of parenting. Um, and, you know, like there's the, you know, authoritarian kind of parent. Mm-hmm. There's the, um, I'm your best friend, or people think we're sisters kind of parent. The helicopter parents. Yeah, yeah. Or, and also the completely apathetic, distant kind of parent of, you know, just leave them off to their own devices, like latchkey kids kind of thing. Which yeah. do you think is the most toxic or damaging of those types oh, well, of parenting? All, all of those are damaging, I mean, there's no question about it. Mm. I mean, no, not one is going to fit all anyway. I mean, in four of my kids, I probably have to parent them all different ways. Mm-hmm. But I think a th- being too dogmatic with your kids, for God's sake, you're wiring them up and they will blow. You know, at some point they will explode. You, we cannot hold too tightly onto them. Um, I think letting them off with no boundaries is just an absolute non-runner. I mean, nobody, not even us, can survive without boundaries in our lives. But are those boundaries just need to be realistic and they need to change as the kids grow older and the teens grow older. Yeah. You know, and whether the older family members or the parents at the gate waffle on about their perfect child, you know, I just say to parents, stop listening. You know your child better than anybody. If you want to give them that bit of scope because you know you can trust them, then give it to them and sit them down and let them know that that's why you're doing it. I think you rarely come across kids who are who know that they're trusted and they've a pretty open, as much as a natural, uh, relationship with their parents. They're very rarely likely to break that trust, really. It's the kids who are tied so tight or who know their parents think the worst. They're the ones who are going to push it. Mm-hmm. Here's, here's- that's a very normal thing. Here's the thing, Eileen, that that freaks me out as a dad of a preteen is, you know, do you think it's a good thing or a bad thing? I I know, like, kids are growing up these days as digital children. You know, everything, their lives are online. Their existence is online. They're they're relying, the reliance on devices uh, terrifies me. It really does. Um, And particularly the access, the over access to information and availability to anything that they want to find out about is just literally a button away um, and how do you you know it's like how do, how do you balance that protection with them well, I think you have to educate them you know I mean I've been battling this one with regards to the Department of Education and Health it's beyond me how they haven't come together and come up with something that's real I know they've improved in primary but secondary schools I worked with over 350 kids just before Christmas I mean the lack of knowledge of what social media can do to them is just harrowing mm. I'm not talking about bullying that's all we hear well, what about the lack of happiness because they've given up their, you know, their interests and their hobbies because their head is glued to a phone or the amount of regret that I come across with exam year students who know, you know, that they're not going to get their course because their head is stuck in their phone while they're studying. It's the basic everyday stuff, but it's not being taught to them. And it, it has to be taught to them. I mean, it has to change, but in a real way. There's no point, I think, in speaking down to kids and being the lecturer and telling them you have to do blah, blah, blah. It needs to be a very realistic, and I think if it was a school thing, whether it's me or whether it's students who've gone through those schools, coming back in and explaining what happened them, and you know the effects it had on them and what they would have done differently, that, that's the kind of stories kids will listen to. It's not being dogmatic and talking down to them because the kids are looking at some of these people going, "You have a clue what you're talking about." Mm. There's a flip side to that as well, though, because I think everybody expects everybody expects the next generation to behave the way that they did and say no we did it right we watched five hours of television a day or six hours of television and we had no and we only had snake and Mm. we used to text each other and you only had 10 euros credit but you're living in a world now where that if your kid wants to find out how did Napoleon die they just have to type it in and they have the answer immediately they're they're living at a much higher rate than us than what we did I never learned long division and I struggled for years 
Now all I have to do is go into my phone and divide anything by anything. So Absolutely. it's like they, they've also been given a tool rather than because everyone sees a screen as being the, the poison. It's the new Marilyn Manson. It's the new Elvis's hips. Whereas actually what they've been given is a tool. It's up to the parents to let them know this is the positives of it and these are the, the you know, the negatives. Oh, yeah. I, I, I mean, there's huge positives. Huge positives. Mm-hmm. I mean, socially, interactively, you know, family living abroad, educationally. My God, it's endless. Or for the creative kids who maybe are the kids who are out of the box, they can, you know, zone in and get involved in stuff online that they will never get a chance to do face-to-face wherever they are. But I, again, like, yes, parents have a role to a certain age, but I do think we do need to step up that role when it comes to teens and late teens that they do need to get a bit of a reality check from people that they will listen to. I'm not saying they don't listen to us, but, mm-hmm. you know, they yeah. kind of listen to us. And it does go in, and uh, don't get me wrong, now parents out there, 100% it goes in. They might look at you as if you've grown horns, and they might look at you as if they're about to nod off. It does go in, but to get it then reinstated again by somebody that maybe they might look up to or they might have a respect for of their own age group or a couple of years older than them, that has another impact again then because they need to see the real stories and there are billions of them out there of kids who have realised too late that the overusage of social media can impact on their life massively and I think if you speak to the 20 to 25 there is a huge amount of isolation and loneliness and sadness in that age group and when you look and ask them what do you do that makes you happy I very often will get a blank face and, you know, I'll say, well, what used to do that used to make you happy maybe at 14, 15, 16, and then they might list off a couple of things. But then when I say, well, I don't do it anymore, I don't have time. Mm. And I say, really? Look at your screen. You can spend six hours a day on that, but you can't give yourself a half an hour to do something to feed, I call it feed your soul, like that little place of you that you know you're passionate about or makes you happy or just takes you out of the space. And that's an area that's a huge concern to me because I see it daily with the amount of kids who really are isolating themselves and are knocking that level of happiness out of their lives. Mm. And commu- communication for kids as well is very difficult. They, they know how to communicate. They know how to put up a video to attract, you know, 50,000 views and they know how to perform uh, on these platforms. But mm-hmm. like one-on-one concentra- conversation and interaction then becomes hugely problematic for them. Massively so. And that is a huge issue. And when it comes to friendship issues, you know, for any parents listening today, like that teenage age group, actually right up from the age of probably seven, eight, nine, when something goes wrong with the friendship, their world can fall apart. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it absolutely crumbles in front of them. We have to try and remember what those feelings were like. We've all been there, most of us anyway. Yeah. You know, a lot of those issues are the same issues. And we have to try and remember what were the big things for us, what really hurt us, what affected us. And, and let our kids are going to go through a lot of the same stuff. And the communication thing, because the online and the texting and the messaging, the miscommunication is horrific. And it causes so much trouble and so many arguments that it is a huge issue with the kids, you know, both both male and female, but a higher quantity of female, definitely. Um, face-to-face communication is a massive issue. But again, look, let's look at our education system. And I'm not getting at the teachers because they're following a curriculum. And in fairness, it's been a tough couple of years. But I am looking at the department. And in all fairness, it's archaic. Mm, yeah. You know, nothing's been changed. Like, we should have a lot more conversation in the classroom where kids have to have opinions and things and have to talk things out because it's the only way they're going to actually get to speak because otherwise this isn't happening. And again, on the social media side of stuff, teaching them, you know, the, the pros and the cons, because there's buckets of pros here in social media. I never go into a classroom saying, your phone is a disaster, blah, blah, blah. But I will say, overusage is going to impact on you this way, this way. The excess information, porn, porn is having a massive impact on all of our kids, mm. our teens. Yeah. 
and higher, the lack of respect, the lack of expectation, are there too much expectation, uh, kids putting a value on themselves, like all this stuff has to be ironed out. It's not old, it's not new news. This is going on 15 years. Yeah. You know, we're very late in the game to be, I think we've really let down a whole generation plus of kids by not actually being real about what's going on and giving two sides of the story because there is, as I said, the positive and the negative. There's no point to get into a class of teens going negative, negative, negative. So they're just going to switch off. Yeah, well, I mean, Billie Eilish came out and said that her, her early exposure to pornography uh, destroyed her, yeah. D- yeah, completely, completely threw her off her her developmentally, or you know, her her well, most kind of crucial development ages. I spoke to a group of probably 180 mixed, split up now, and um, 14, 15 year olds before Christmas. It didn't enter 80 percent of their heads that porn was having an effect on them until we spoke about it. Mm. I mean, that's just insane. Yeah, it's gone from the woods to your pocket. Yeah. Why is people talking about it? Yeah. You know? Well, I'd say it's still in the woods, but anyway. Um, <laughs> Can you give me an address then, of that woods, please? <laughs> yeah. And you see, the other side of that then is there, there's expectation on kids who have no intention of behaving in a certain way and don't want to and are maybe pressurised. So these conversations have to happen. And I think it's really important that all of our teens, late teens, have somebody that they can pick up a phone to. Yep. So if somebody ends up in the woods or in the field or in the bush or wherever they are having a few drinks or smoking a bit of weed or doing something with some girl or fellow whoever it is, they need to have someone that they can pick up a phone to because that's the world they're in. If they don't I have come across so many who are left at the side of the road on their own their friends leave them mm-hmm. and they are in serious trouble you know there's, there's serious stuff happening and I know I do want to harp on the scaremongering because to be fair the ki- most of the kids can be trusted and in fairness to them they're fantastic in my experience but some of them as part of growing up will get themselves in trouble will push the boundary a little bit might feel a bit weak and go with the peer pressure but that is part of growing up but if we're not going to be their safeguard or we don't put someone in place whether it's an aunt or an uncle or a cousin that they have a number on their phone that they can make that call then we're failing them Mm. Yeah. So let's start 2022 by communicating as much as possible with our kids. That is, that is your and message. And can I just say whether that's talking, texting, writing, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Just keep those lines, but don't overdo it because it drives them insane. Okay. Let them off. Eileen, um, superb wisdom. Thank you for your time and uh, have, a, have a happy new year. Take Thank it easy. You. Take care. Yeah, Bye. and uh, speaking of social media, uh, we'll we'll send you there to our Instagram page. Um, if you're not already following us, you should do so. Go to Corks ninety six FM's Insta page, uh, click follow, and just look for the post where we're giving away a thousand euro mm-hmm. in cash. Uh, it's a couple of weeks to payday. It's a long month, and uh, and imagine a thousand euro would help a lot of a lot of you out. So hop on the ninety six FM Instagram page immediately. Find the post. Tag a couple of buddies. Make sure you're following us, and uh, you could be in for a grand in cash. The headline reads: There was no other option but to shut East Cork Mental Health Service. This is a story involving Onakara and a lot of the residents and a lot of uh, people who have uh, family members using of this service are very upset at the prospect of this uh, service being shut down in East Cork. Um, Orla Keller is on the line with us this morning. Good morning, Orla. How are you? Thanks very much, Casey and Ross, for having me on. I'm okay, thanks. Um, you're a relative of somebody who avails of the service and uh, you're kind of pushing this campaign to try and get this whole shutdown reversed. First of all, why have they told you that they're, they're going to shut down the centre? 
So I suppose with the kind of the rationale behind the closure, so initially, you know, the HSC had cited the Mental Health Commission's report and then sort of the next rationale was about building reports. Now, our view would be that there has been no independent building report that has ever suggested that the Onaker Centre is beyond repair. Our view would be, and to the best of my knowledge, any of the reports that we've had would say that, you know, they've just set out really what work needs to be done to improve the Onaker Centre. So it's really, you know, the HSC's um, interpretation, if you like, that the the centre is beyond repair. And our view would be that where there is a political will, there, there is a way. So the most kind of recent uh, development with this this whole campaign was just before Christmas, the Oireachtas Committee, uh, the Oireachtas Health Committee had the HSE before it and they were questioning them about the closure. And really what we felt had emerged from that was that the whole rationale behind the, the closure it just didn't stand up to scrutiny before the Oireachtas Committee. And I think it's fair to say that there was cross-party condemnation, really, of the loss of a really vital service um, in East Cork. So, I mean, really what's going to happen is once Ona Kerr closes, there's going to be no more uh, 24-hour uh, supported residential care units in East Cork. And that completely flies in the face of um, Vision for Change, which is the um, HSE's own policy on mental health, because that would say that for an area like East Cork, where the population such, you know, as, as it is, that you would need at least 30 beds um, for a region the size of East Cork. So to yeah. go from, you know, having this community-based centre, and just from my own experience, you know, my aunt has lived there for over 25 years, and she has, you know, progressed very gradually but you know it, it is thanks to Ona Kerr, it's thanks to that community based setting, you know she has friends there, she's integrated in the community and that can't really be replaced you know so um, what really what we wanted for the HSE to look at the decision again and to look at renovating um, the centre and so that's really where we're at. What's their what's their what, what what's the what's the information that they're giving to you? Are they saying we're closing it? Are they saying we're relocating it? Are they saying we're you know we're we're looking at an alternative? Where where do you stand? Or are they literally just saying no? This is just going to be gone. So yeah, they they are they're, they're, the plan is to close it. The current residents will be uh, given other placements. So um, initially, what my family was offered was institutional care. So really, kind of to my mind, just sort of a step back into the past. Now, since then, there's been other kind of tentative suggestions that uh, people like my own relative would be moved to Carrigaline, that there might be a house there, but that's very kind of uncertain. And again, I think really the, the sort of the damaging and, you know, distressing part of all this is the complete lack of certainty for families, for residents, about what's actually going to happen. You know, this has been their home for, well, for my aunt, uh, the best part of 25 years. And they're just being offended at this late stage in their lives. Um, and it's just really, really worrying. Um, so, yeah, the, their plan is to close it. They, uh, they've they suggested at the health committee that, um, you know, that another service might replace it there. Um, but it wouldn't be the 24-hour residential care unit. So whatever would replace it wouldn't be, you know, the same level of service. So what we really want the HSC to look at is uh, renovating or rebuilding on the same site. Um, and and we would you know we think that 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 has to be looked at again. 
Mm. The, the HSE, of course, will will feel that their engineers are right. And, uh, you know, from, from that point of view, I suppose we have to kind of see what develops there. But, you know, it is it's just the prospect of shutting down. I, I really genuinely thought we were in a place where uh, mental health care and treatment uh, was, was being invested in a lot more, that we were in a progressive place, that things were going in the right direction. This is going in reverse. Order. Yes, when it's fashionable. Yeah. And that's what it is. It's when it's a talking point and when it's a photo op and all that kind of stuff. Yes, it's like oh, we're all here for men's mental health and everything. But when it comes down to the actual grassroots infrastructure, then obviously things like this are, are there's no duty of care. Yeah. Yeah, and I think really for us, you know, um, a lot of at the Oireachtas Committee, you know, there was an emphasis being put on, you know, independence and early intervention. And while that's all great and it's definitely to be welcomed, for families like mine who, you know, have a relative who has severe and enduring mental health issues, those kind of, you know, with kind of 30 years too late, really, for my family, you know, there will always be people in our communities um, who will need, you know, 24-hour support, residential care units, and we can't lose them. They are part of the package as well as other measures. And so the idea that East Cork is now going to have, you know, not have these services anymore is so worrying and distressing. And, it's you know, it's not just about a few kind of vocal families who are... um, kind of kicking up a fuss. This is really about preserving a service for everybody in the community because, you know, people don't know when, you know, they or maybe a loved one will need respite or um, kind of residential residential care support for, for um, you know, their m- mental health issues. And so, you know, the idea that this is going to be lost now, it, it's just so worrying and stressing. And it's something that's not just about us, it's about the wider community, you know. So I think it's really, really important, you know, in line with Vision for Change, that, that you know, we, we retain these beds. Um, and our view would be that, you know, there, there are so many steps that could be taken now to, to, to kind of, sort of look at look at this all again. So one thing that Friends of Womanacre has been repeatedly calling for is the appointment of an independent structural engineer to assess the feasibility. Now that the HSE doesn't want or doesn't want that, but you know, that's something that we think would be, you know, really reasonable for the families to ask. At the Oireachtas Health Committee, uh, Deputy Mark Ward uh, called for an independent inquiry into the closure. I think that really kind of speaks to, to the point we're, we're making about, you know, needing to appoint an independent structural engineer to, to, to relook at this. Orla, best of luck with your crusade and your campaign, and Thank hopefully, you, you know you, you're going to get the results that you're looking for. I, I hope you I hope you find out sooner rather than later. But um, listen, thank you for talking to us, and well, the best yes, of luck with everything, thank, Orla. Yes. Thank you. Take care of yourself. All right, that's Orla Kelleher. Thank you very much for chatting to us. So it's been pretty cold out there this morning. Real change in the weather. Uh, Certainly yesterday we were feeling a little bit of a bite in the air. Temperatures dropping down to about five degrees. My Uh, nipples. I tell you what. You could hang two wet duffel coats off them. Looking for an apprentice. (laughs) (laughs) Too much information, Ross. It's too much information. Carl Nolan is from Ireland's Weather Channel. Carl, how is it looking for the month ahead? For the month ahead, oh, that's a good question to jump straight in with. Um, certainly, we can't go that far ahead. We can go for the next seven to ten days, roughly. Yeah. Um, but I suppose looking at January at the moment, it's shaping up pretty mixed, I suppose, up to and including the weekend. Beyond that, we start to see conditions settling back down again. So okay. So we go into next week, we can expect to see much more settled conditions. We're, we're back into kind of wintry conditions now, because we've had a freakishly mild Christmas. 
we have certainly temperatures over Christmas itself were at least two, three degrees Celsius above average right across the country, particularly mild. There was no threat or risk really of any kind of wintry conditions over the Christmas period, um, which I suppose in general is a little bit unusual. We typically get some cold conditions over the festive period, not necessarily always on Christmas Day itself, but in and around that time of the year. But it's been particularly mild this year. All right. Is there any threat to health, driving, falling? Like, is it going to get really, really bad? I suppose in terms of the cold conditions, really tonight we're expecting to see a pretty severe frost developing again early on, where roads remain damp, there is the risk of icy patches, certainly then a footpath as well, on any untreated surface. As we go through Thursday tomorrow itself, starting off pretty wet, pretty cold. As we go through the day, we'll see heavy showers spreading in from the west. Some of these will fall asleep, possibly snow in some parts of the country, so don't be surprised maybe some more parts of the north and the west of the county if you woke up to a little bit of a dust and the snow on Friday morning. But again, probably higher ground is where we're most at risk. And beyond that, pretty cold, blustery on Saturday. And then, as we said, things start to settle down as we begin to next week. So no mass extinction from uh, climate change yet? <laughs> it's, it's, no it's immediate threat on, of a mass extinction. Um, you know, as, as you said, we had, we had a pretty mild Christmas. Uh, you know, in terms of the weather and how it's changed so drastically over the last couple of years, um, what, what have you noticed have been the big changes? I suppose, really, if you're looking back over the course of the last number of years, and I suppose it's always careful when we talk about climate and weather, and not to confuse the two, but over the course of the last number of years, we, I suppose, would have seen quite a number of severe weather events. Probably the frequency, and I suppose the, the science kind of indicates this, is that we expect to see maybe more severe conditions uh, developing on an annual basis, whether that's drought conditions during the summer, maybe torrential rain and downpours at times as well from thunderstorms with the added intensity that we have in the atmosphere, or even over the course of the winter then, where we get, as you said, milder conditions maybe, we typically don't see as many frosts or the severity of frost that we used to see, but we can also then be exposed to pretty severe conditions in the winter too, obviously looking back at events like Stormophilia, other severe storms that have battered the country over the last couple of years too, and, and certainly the trend is for, I suppose, more of these severe weather events. Okay, very good. Well, we've got to take care of ourselves over the next couple of days. Cahill Nolan from Ireland's Weather Channel. Mind yourself. Keep it safe on the roads, Cahill. I will, guys. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.